This ministry has been made available by Kenneth Higgins Rama Bible Training Center, Nigeria. Also may have fellowship with us. You can see he's talking about fellowship. In about four verses or three verses, fellowship is mentioned like four times. That he also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Notice it said that you may have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship. Verse 4, and these things write we unto you that your joy may be full. This then is the message which you have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. It's like a believer now who says, well, I, I didn't do anything wrong, but I, I'm out of fellowship with God. No. You're in fellowship with God if you didn't do anything wrong. And if you are out of fellowship with God, you did something wrong. You broke fellowship. Verse 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. Now, this is interesting. Why will he say if we walk in the light as he is in the light? Why will I be walking in the light and still need cleansing for my sin? This is why. You see, sometimes I'm walking in all the light I have, right? But I just don't have enough light. I'll give an example. Look at your own life like four years ago. You know, there were some things you did then. At the moment you did it, you thought, my God, I hung the moon. I did so well. I acted perfectly. The way I handled that matter was excellent, right? And that's how you felt at that time. But a few years down the line, you look back at that incident and you feel like covering your face in shame. Why could I have done that? That was so immature. That, that wasn't right. Or the other one wasn't right, right? But you see, at the moment you did it, you were walking in all the light that you had. That's what this verse is saying. You are walking in the light as he is in the light. Amen. You have fellowship one with the other, with the brethren, with the Father. And the blood of Jesus Christ automatically cleansed you from sin. You did not need to confess it. Are you listening? Because that was all the light you had. Now, I've heard people who will say, oh God, forgive me of my sins. The ones I committed when I was sleeping. The ones I committed when I was talking. <laughs> The ones I committed when I was thinking. The ones I committed and I don't even know about. I feel like telling them, will you just shut up? Can you be saying the sins you committed in your sleep? The sins you committed and you didn't know about. If you didn't know about it, you did not sin. Leave it alone. Move on. That one is sin consciousness. It's a complex sin consciousness that is worrying them. If you do wrong, immediately your conscience alerts you. If your conscience doesn't alert you, forget it. You were walking in all the light that you had. Move on. Is it possible to be walking in all the light you have and then still do wrong? Yes. You may not have much light. Do you understand? In cases like that, you are automatically cleansed. You are automatically cleansed. Are you listening? You did it in the integrity of your heart. Walking in all the light that you had. God looked at your heart and said, yes, that man has a perfect heart toward me. And he cleansed you automatically. That's what this verse is saying. Verse, yes, sir. That's where I'm going. <laughs> We're going to chapter 2. We're not stopping in 8. We're still going down. 8. It says, if we say that we have no sin, 
We deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Now, don't take that out of its context. Don't take that out of its context. Like now, you know, you come to church, you say, oh God, if we say we have no sin, we lie. My friend, if you are born again, you have no sin. You are the righteousness of God. That's what it is. Do you understand? You are the righteousness of God. The context of this is this. A believer who has sinned, hmm? who is out of fellowship with God, who is now saying that I haven't done anything wrong, is lying. Do you see that? Look at verse 6. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and we do not the truth. It's in that context. It's also talking about if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Verse 9 now says, if we confess our sins, that word confess is homologio. It means to say the same thing. What do we say about our sins? The same thing he says about them. For one, he says those things are wrong. So, well, if God says he's wrong, he's wrong. Then, another thing he says, Jesus shed his blood and died for those sins. So, I should say the same thing that he says about it. Amen. Praise God. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us. Now, if I say us, if I say if we, what am I talking about? If I say we, who is the we? If I say we, no, like as a minister, sir, and I say we, does it exclude me? No. Uh -huh. So he's included there. So if you say First John 1, 9 was written to Gnostics, then John must have been agnostic. Because he said if we, including himself, confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Verse 10, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Don't forget, also in the context of, you say that you haven't done wrong, but you are not in fellowship with him. No, you broke fellowship. You broke fellowship. Now, chapter 2, you don't write a letter in chapter and verse, do you? Neither does John, or neither did John. My little children, if there is children, then there is spiritual children who got born again under him. These things write I unto you. If I say these things, and I'm saying something, and I say these things I write unto you, it includes the things I've just written and the things I'm continuing to write. Yes, so he was talking to his children in the faith. The same little children, he said in 1 John 4, 4, year of God, little children, and have overcome them. So the same little children who are of God is the one he's writing to. They were his spiritual children. He said, my little children, these things write down to you. Why? That you sin not. So it's not an excuse to sin. It says, and if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Notice, and he's the propitiation, the substitution for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. So he separates our sins as Christians from the sins of the world. Do you see that? So if a believer sins, what should he do? Father, I shouldn't have done that. That wasn't right. He should confess it. Amen. Really, what he's doing is that he's appropriating forgiveness. Now, some people have said, no. If you are sick, what do you confess? You confess your healing. 
If you are broke, what do you confess? You confess abundance. Why is it that if you sin, they say you should confess your sin? Really, what you are really confessing is your forgiveness. You are going to appropriate forgiveness. But it's just like if you are sick, you can't get healed without facing up to the fact that you are sick. Isn't it? You need healing for what? <laughs> if you are broke or you have a need, you need money for that need. So, if you are appropriating forgiveness, you need forgiveness for what? For that particular sin. So, you are not saying it so that God will know it. He already knows it. You are appropriating forgiveness. Now, if 1 John 1, 9 wasn't in the Bible, even if it wasn't in the Bible, it still stands. The principle still stands because there are other scriptures that say the same thing. 1 Corinthians 11, 29 to 32. He that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation, condemnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. He now says, for this cause, many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep, many die prematurely. He said, if we will judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord, that we should not be condemned with the world. So, what should a Christian do if he sins? He's to judge himself. Oh, that wasn't right. I shouldn't have done it. That's judging myself. Well, in 2 Corinthians 12, 21, he said, May my God humble me when I come again among you to bewail those who have sinned. Now, he was talking among the Corinthian church and have not repented. So, a believer is to repent if he sins. To just say, just move on. It's just like, you know, it's just like I just see him now and I just slap him. Pooh! I said, why do you slap me? Say, well, Jesus died for my sins. Past, present, and future. I'll just move on. You know what you two should do? She just stop and slap me back. Say, why do you I say Jesus died for our sins? <laughs> do you see the point? It's just like, it's just like you hurt your husband. You know? And you say, yeah, what you should do is you should all just move on. After Jesus died for our sins, yeah, you two will hurt you back. Say, why did you yeah, Jesus died for all our sins? You know, if we start doing that, there will be anarchy. It doesn't even make sense. Do you understand? Walking in love will demand that, oh, I shouldn't have done that. Please forgive me. And you say, it's okay. And then we move on together, isn't it? But to just say, I just do anything wrong and I just move on. If you, can, if you really believe that, I'm not sure you're born again. Personally, I'm not sure you're born again. If you really believe that, some of the people who preach some of these things, hmm, they don't practice them. In their real life, they live differently. Some of them live clean, straight lives. But the problem is, you see, I know him of a man. He used to have a Catholic background where they used to confessing, 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 confessing. So he saw so much of that horrible nonsense until it now made him want to go to the other extreme. He's one of the greatest proponents that 1 John 1, 9 wasn't written to the church. It's a personal thing of what he went through. But you see, look, because you were from one extreme, doesn't mean you should try to get the rest of us to the other extreme. We didn't have the problem that you had. Not all of us, at least. So don't try to give us another problem. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Now, if I'm going to obtain mercy, obtain mercy for what? The Amplified Classic says that we may obtain mercy for our failures. So that means if I have failed, I need to go and obtain mercy. 
for the failure. Eh, let's just move on. No, it doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. We're to judge ourselves. Does that make sense? Yes, now, there's a lot of problems people have with this, but it's their problem. You know, some have problems here, some have problems there, some have problems the other side. I like to also say this, that Jesus is the sinning Christian's advocate. What do I mean by that? You know, look, if you've messed up, and the truth is this, there's nobody in this room who hasn't messed up. We're not proud of it. We're not proud of it, but we have actually made mistakes, all of us. The only person who never sinned was Jesus, and they killed him at age 33. Are you listening? So we, we've made mistakes. Amen. Not because he wanted to, but because of our unregenerate flesh and our unrenewed mind. So the devil took advantage of our flesh, and he tripped us. Listen, you may be down, but you don't have to be out for the count. All you need to do is to, Father, that wasn't right. I shouldn't have done that. I ask your forgiveness in the name of Jesus. The moment you do, then God forgives you. Do you understand? Now, it's a different thing if you are not even aware. And you are just walking in all the light you had. First John 1, 7 covered you. You are automatically cleansed. But when you do wrong and your conscience warns you, why did you talk to that brother like that? That wasn't good. Hey, say, Father, that wasn't right. I ask your forgiveness in the name of Jesus. Really, what, the word ask that is used here, you know, if we confess our sins, it's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Then you also discover in the same First John 5, the Bible says if a man sees brother sin a sin, verse 16, that is not unto death, he shall pray and he shall give him life. So it's the same First John 1, 9 principle. There is a sin unto death. I do not say he shall pray for it. Is he talking about physical death? He's not. He's talking about spiritual death. But don't let's go there. We don't have enough time for that, you know, to enter into that discussion on what that sin unto death is. Amen. But the point is this. If your conscience warns you that, look, that wasn't right, don't wait until you get to church to do something about it. Don't wait until next week. Don't wait until you want to pray in the night before sleeping, you know, and then you're wondering in case you have a heart attack in the night. You know, so that you can be sure where you are going. No, 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 no. That's wrong thinking. Don't think like that. The moment your conscience warns you that, no, you shouldn't have done that, immediately, oh, Father, that wasn't right. I appropriate your forgiveness for it in Jesus' name. And that settles it. Now, let me also say this. You see, some people think forgiveness of sins is how well you cry. You know, let's say you do something wrong, and you now go, you go before God, you cry all night long, you're repenting. In quote, I shouldn't have done that. Oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God. Then you go into sackcloth and ashes and you're mourning your sin. My friend, stop that nonsense. That's works. The moment from your heart you say, Father, that wasn't right. I ask that you forgive me in the name of Jesus. That moment he forgives you. And not only does he forgive you, he forgets that it ever happened. And he cleanses you from all unrighteousness. And your sense of righteousness is restored. Are you listening? So don't go to God. You see, that somebody is crying doesn't mean they repented. They may be crying because they were caught. I'm not moved by those things. I'm not fooled by them. Now, I know, of course, there's an attitude of heart you have. When you, if you're walking, really walking with God... And you love him. Walking in fellowship with him. And you make a mistake. There's a way your heart smites you. 
oh dear, I shouldn't have done that. You know, there are people who have the attitude of, let's say, for instance, now, I saw his wallet. Now, I didn't see his wallet, you know. But let's say he left his wallet somewhere and I was to take, I just saw $100 there and I took it. And later, he comes to say I took his money. And I go, eh -huh. okay, I took it, I took it. Then I've asked God to forgive me, I beg, leave that thing. You know, anybody that does that, eh, seven grown men should take him to Sambisa Forest. Tie him there with seven ropes. Leave him there for seven days. Flog him seven times each day. That's a bad attitude. That's a bad attitude. If I'm walking in love, I, I, that was wrong. I sinned against God if I took his money. But I also sinned against him. So I should come and say, I'm sorry. What I did wasn't right. If you say, why will you be doing that nonsense? I said, look, I'm guilty as charged. It was very wrong. Let's say he's, he's still getting angry. Please, I'm sorry. Should I get on my knees? That should be the attitude I have. It shouldn't be an attitude of bold face. After all, what's that thing? You know, there are ministers. Let's say a minister gets into difficulty. And then eh, the leadership now puts some discipline. And then he now comes and takes the stand of, after all, Jesus died for our sins. What's all this thing? No, 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 no. That's a wrong heart attitude. Are there times when people are not corrected correctly? Yes. yes. But that they are doing the wrong thing doesn't mean you should do a wronger thing. Are you listening? You keep your own heart right. You maintain a teachable spirit. Look, if you straighten it out and you get things right with God, they are the ones that we get into trouble. You know, the Bible says, brethren, if any of you be overtaken in a fault, the Greek word is amatia, it's actually sin. Ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. That's what the Bible says. It just shows they are not spiritual. And the truth is that they are sowing a seed. The Bible says, he shall have judgment without mercy that has shown no mercy. For mercy rejoices over judgment. Now, is there a place for discipline? There is. But it should be done in love. Are you listening? And while I'm on this too, let me say something else. There's something people talk about. They call it open confession. Let's say a minister were to do something wrong now. They say you should come and confess openly before everybody. Let me tell you, that stupidity gone to seed. It's stupidity. They say it shows he has repented. No, it just shows he's stupid. The people telling him to do it are stupid. The people accepting him to do it are stupid. They are all stupid. Because what they are going to cause will hurt the body of Christ. If it is public, let's say I were to do something publicly and act nasty in front of the class. Now, I will need to come back in front of the class also. After sorting it out with God, I'll need to come to everybody and say, look, I did this. I shouldn't have done it. I've asked God to forgive me. Please, I'm asking you to forgive me. I was wrong. Please forgive me. That's what love will do. But look, if it wasn't their business, bringing it into their business will not help them. It will hurt the body of Christ. It will hurt the body of Christ. So a minister does something, gets into difficulty. We now expose it everywhere. Put it everywhere. We now say he should prove himself. Who will invite him to preach again? We've ruined him. We've ruined him. And let me tell you another thing. You see, the people who are most judgmental, they don't live right. I know. Anytime I see somebody who is unnecessarily judgmental, there's gross sin in his life. I know. I know it from experience. I've seen it. 
too many times not to know it. That critical spirit is devilish. It's not of God. It's not of God. God is a good God. God is a good God. Okay, your, one lady in your choir, she goes to carry Bele. Abby, you now bring her out Sunday morning in front of the whole church. Say, sister, so and so. Say, there's a matter we need to attend to in this church. Yeah, call her out. Say, look at this sister. She calls herself a believer. Look at what she has done. You know, this is... I just have one question for you. Let's say she was your daughter. Is that what you will do? Don't answer me. Just say she was your daughter. If it was their daughter, they would have whisked her away. They would take her abroad. Everybody would say, well, so, hey, she's schooling. She's gone to school. She's in Ukraine. Or she's in... She's in... Uh, so and so. Hey, so oh, she's searching. Yeah, they are quick to cover it. When it's somebody else's daughter, they want to tear her apart. See, that child inside her womb did not ask to be born. Why are we giving, showing the child hostility? Did she do wrong? She did wrong. Should we, should we wink at it? We shouldn't. But you see, how will love handle it? Is it because you, you weren't caught when you did your own? Because you were such an expert at it and you knew how to do it well and you knew how to get rid of it as if you live in New York. Yeah. And she, maybe she was just doing it for the first time and she's so innocent and she hadn't learned the tricks that you know. Is that why you want to kill her? Do you get my point? We should foster righteousness consciousness not sin consciousness. Now, listen. If you do something wrong and you ask God to forgive you, the moment you asked him to forgive you, he forgave you. Now, will the feeling of guilt leave immediately? Sometimes it does. Many more times it doesn't. You still feel that guilt. Does that feeling of guilt mean God doesn't forgive? It means nothing. It's just a feeling. Does it mean, oh God, I ask you to forgive me now. Please. Please. What you are saying is that you have more confidence in your feelings than you do in the word of God. The moment you asked him to forgive you, he forgave you and he forgot that it happened. He forgot that it happened. So forget it also. Forget it also. Let me ask you a question. If I tell you do as I say and not as I do, what will I be? Hypocrite. Second question, is God a hypocrite? No. I will ask you again. And I know why I will ask you again. Is God a hypocrite? No. Are you really sure he's not a hypocrite? No. You are very sure he's not a hypocrite. No. Eh, because there is a third and a fourth question that we ask. So, are you sure he's not a hypocrite? No. Of course, he's not a hypocrite. Third question, how many times did God say if your brother offends you, you should forgive him in one day? <laughs> 70 times, 7 times. Matthew 18, Luke 17. Right? That's 490 times. Uh, in a day. Do you get it yet? 490 times. That's what God said I should do. If he will tell me to do something he doesn't do, he's a hypocrite. Do you see it? Do you see it? Do you see it? If God said, now God is not a hypocrite. And God demands that if somebody offends me 490 times in one day, I should forgive him. And he's not a hypocrite. Listen, if you offend God, 490 times in one day and each time you go to him and from your heart oh god i shouldn't have done that if he doesn't forgive you he's a hypocrite and he's not let me tell you something you haven't sinned that sin that you are feeling so 
not worthy about is not up to 490 times. You have a good margin to work with. How dare you preach like that? Why will you be talking like that? Let me tell you something. They will say, you are giving people a license to sin. It's a lie. Whether you give them license, they don't give them license. When people want to sin, they sin. They don't look for license. They sin. Really, this is the thing. You see, eh? It's truth that sets free. You know, one of the reasons I don't live anyhow, I'll tell you one of the reasons. One of the reasons is this. is because God will forgive me if I do. That's strange, right? Yeah. One of the major reasons I don't live anyhow is because if I did, God will forgive me. That's funny. You see, I can't stand to hurt somebody who is like that. Because I love. He loves me so much. He loves me so much that I cannot but love him back. The Bible says we love him because he first loved us. The more we understand the love that God has towards us, the more we want to love him back. You see, if the reason you don't live in sin is so that your ministry will not, will not scatter, hey, you haven't met enough temptation. If you meet sufficient temptation, you will, you, will, you, will, you, will, you will chop and clean out and cover your tracks too. Are you listening? Eh? So, so that I don't go to hell. Listen. Time may come. You say, if it's not that I don't go to hell, fuck, what is the hell? If, if, this one is already hell enough. Those things are not sufficient motivations. They will quake when they meet enough pressure. The only thing that won't fail is his love. When you understand the love that God has towards you, you will love him back. So all this thing of scaring people, you know, about hell. All this scaring people. When you meet one person, say, you just go to hell. He said, my friend, shut up. What's hell? If this is not already hell, I wonder what can be hell again. Don't scare me with hell. And that's the way some of these sinners feel. Don't let's scare them with hell. I know the Bible says some, you know, hating the garment spotted by the flesh. You know, some will snatch out of the fire and all that. But you see, majority of folks, what will reach them is God's love. Yes, it says, knowing the terror of God will persuade men. Yes, that's true. But majority of folks, what will reach them is God's love. Moody did this revival. He kept preaching about the judgment of God. Hell. You know, then there was this young boy that came. The boy preached from John 3.16. You know? He heard, how did the boys' meeting go? The boy had such revival, he was shocked. He didn't get that many people saved. He wasn't getting that many people saved. Then he said, what is the boy preaching? He said, he's preaching the same thing every night. He said, what is the thing that he's preaching that is pulling such crowds? The love of God. The love of God. Amen. Yes, we have to preach the whole Bible. Yes, there's a place of judgment to which we ought to tell people about. But I think we haven't majored on God's love as much as we should. Am I making sense? So Jesus is the sinning Christian's advocate. Hey, why teach you first John one night? They will just be sinning. I beg my friends, shut up. Shut up. Anybody that really loves God, <laughs> he doesn't want to be sinning anyhow. But the truth is that we make mistakes. Sometimes it takes a while. The fellow who is talking like that, if he knew the mistakes he made consistently, sometimes 10 years, 20 years, before God helped him, he's now making mouth to chew people out today. He should shut up. Amen. It's when you let people know who they are in Christ, that's what will help them to grow into it. 
It's not when you tear them down. If you're a pastor, surround your people with faith and love. I watched the pastor one time. He came to teach his people about prayer. He started off by saying, well, we're going to teach you people about prayer again today. Eh? Even though I know you still won't pray. I felt like saying, you better shut up and go and sit down because they won't pray. You've said they won't pray. There was no use teaching. But when you go there and you say, well, I know you guys, you pray a lot. This is just to help you even have richer prayer lives. Yeah, it was the time I pastored. I used to talk with my people like that. One of my members told me later, he said I was tired. A time came, I was just tired of hearing you brag on me when I knew I wasn't living up to it. He said, and then I decided, no, I will start praying much. Ah, how can he be saying I'm praying? And I know I'm not praying. And he comes again and he says, he knows I have a good prayer life. And I know I don't. No, I do. I claim it. I receive it. I appropriate it. That's what he believes about me. I will show him he believes the right thing. Yes. Well, you tell your child. Say you this child. Yeah, yeah, child. Eh? Will you ever amount to anything? You don't know anything. Just disobedient. 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 Listen, you haven't seen disobedient. You find out that the one you've been seeing was just dress rehearsal. You will now see disobedient. Because our words dominate us. So the confession of sins of the believer. If a believer messes up, he confesses it to God. God forgives him and it's as though it never happened. Now, are there times when the devil will bring a picture of things that happened in your life before you got saved? And he'll tell you, hey, you, 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 you. Everybody is praying you want to pray. You better shut up. You think I don't know your CV? Think I don't know your history? Are you not the one that did this? Are you not the one that did that? See, that's just like the devil to do. He's the accuser of the brethren. Let him finish talking. See, if the devil tries to remind you of your past, remind him of his future. Are you listening? Hey, when he finishes talking, then tell him, listen, I didn't do that. The man that did it passed away. I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. I read in my Bible one time, 2 Corinthians 6.2. Paul said, we've wronged no man, defrauded no man. 7-2, we've defrauded no man. I said, Paul, you wronged no man, defrauded no man. How? Are you not the one that consented to the death of Stephen? Are you not the one that persecuted the church of God? Are you not the one that... And I thought I was... Making point. Eh, I was making a point. <laughs> then on the inside of me, the Holy Ghost, the Lord said to me by his spirit, shut up, young man. The fellow you are talking about died on the road to Damascus. Anything that happened in your life before you got saved, you are not the person that did it. You may be living in the same house that person was living in, in this body. But there's a new occupant. You're a new creature. You're a new creature. That man has passed away. He's dead. There's a new man in his place. Are you listening? Say, but what about mistakes I made since I got saved? Yes, you made them. It was you that did it. So when the devil comes and he says, look at what you did, tell him, yes, you're correct, I did it. But you know what? 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I confessed it to God. He has forgiven me and he has cleansed me from all unrighteousness. As far as God is concerned, it's as though it never happened. Listen up, devil. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation to me because I'm in Christ Jesus. I stand in God's presence without a consciousness of sin, of guilt, or inferiority. The blood of Jesus makes me whole. Yeah, that's what to do. That's what to do. You know? 
That's what to do. If he tries to persist, you just persist some more. Then sing something about the blood. <laughs> Magnify the blood. If you live under condemnation for things you've asked God to forgive you about, it just shows you are belittling the blood of Jesus. And you have little value for redemption. That's all it shows. Don't do that. It's a slap in the face of the Father God. Listen, what the devil did in Adam was not as big as what God did in Christ. Does that make sense? So once you confess it, he forgives you. It's as though it never happened. It's as though it never happened. So you just walk on with God. And he's able to make you stand. You see, there's only one way out of carnality. What is it? You outgrow it. It's like now, there were clothes I wore as a three-month-old baby. No matter how you try, you can't put those clothes on me today. Why? I have outgrown them. What caused me to outgrow them? I continue to feed. And as I continue to feed, I continue to grow. Amen. Just feed yourself on God's word. See, some things that look like, hey, how will I outgrow this? Hey, how will I stop doing this? In a short while, you look back and you feel ashamed that that was ever a challenge for you. Just stay with God's word. Acts 20, 32, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them that are sanctified. God's word will build us up. Does that make sense? Okay. The fourth kind of confession. Number four. The fourth kind of confession. The confession of our faith. The confession of our faith. The confession of our faith. Hebrews 3.1 Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider him the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. See, Jesus is the apostle and the high priest of our confession. Christianity is called the great confession. You got saved confessing. Everything in the faith of Jesus works the same way. Everything in the salvation package works the same way by your confession. Hebrews 4.14 Seeing then we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God. Let us hold fast our profession. Hebrews 10.23 Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering for he's faithful that promised. See that word profession or confession is the word homologio. It means to say the same things. We are to say the same things that God says about us. And we are to keep saying those same things. See, some believers have a double confession. Don't do that. Let your confession line up with what the word of God says about you. I am who the word says I am. I have what the word says I have. I can do what the word says I can do. Find out what God says about you and make that your confession. Another question is this, what do I confess? What do I confess? Like I said, what God's word says about us. And you'll discover that that comes under five categories, five things. What do we confess? Five things. Number one, number one, what God did for us in Christ in the great plan of redemption. What God did for us in Christ in the great plan of redemption. What God did for us in Christ in the great plan of redemption. What God did for us in Christ in the great plan of redemption. 
Number two, what God did in us in the new birth and in the baptism in the Holy Ghost. What God did in us in the new birth and in the baptism in the Holy Ghost. What God did in us in the new birth and in the baptism in the Holy Ghost. What God did for us in Christ in the great plan of redemption. What God did in us in the new birth and in the baptism in the Holy Ghost. That's number two. Number three, what we are to God the Father in Christ. What we are to God the Father in Christ. What we are to God the Father in Christ. What we are to God the Father in Christ. Number four, the present day ministry of Jesus Christ for us at the right hand of the Father. The present day ministry of Jesus Christ for us at the right hand of the Father. The present day ministry of Jesus Christ for us at the right hand of the Father. You know, people talk about the finished work of redemption. Yes, there's a finished work that Jesus did, but there's an ongoing work he's also doing at the right hand of the Father. If not for that ongoing work, then that finished work will be of no value. The present day ministry of Jesus Christ for us at the right hand of the Father. Our advocate, our shepherd, our high priest, our intercessor, our mediator, our shorty, our Lord. The present day ministry of Jesus Christ for us at the right hand of the Father. And then number five. What God can do through us. What God can do through us by his word on our lips. What God can do through us by his word on our lips. What God can do through us by his word on our lips. What God can do through us by his word on our lips. See, many times people ask me about studying the Bible. Are you listening? I have several suggestions. But there is one I present above every other one. And I want to tell you what it is. And it's this. Read the whole Bible. Old Testament, New Testament. But spend more time in the New Testament. Now in the New Testament, especially in the epistles, there are some scriptures that tell us who we are in Christ. Those scriptures have the expression in Christ, in him, in whom, by whom, through whom, in his name, by me, by his blood. They have that expression with them. For instance, 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. 2 Corinthians 5.21, For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Ephesians 1.7, in whom we have redemption through his blood. You know, you will discover that there are about 140, actually 132 exactly. There are two others that don't have that expression, but they carry the same thought. Colossians 1.13 and 1 John 4.4. 4. 134 of such scriptures. There's a mini book titled In Him by Kenneth E. Hagin, where at the back of that book, he listed all those scriptures. This is what I'll suggest you do. Mark those scriptures in your Bible. They're part of the, that book in him should be inside that, um, that book. It should be one of the books inside the book, the reading assignment, the compilation. It should be one of the books there. Mark, go to find those scriptures. I did it. First time I did it was 1989. Yes. I did it again in 93. I did it again in 98. I did it again. I've done it several times. I even have a copy of it on my phone. 
Now, don't ask me to send it to you. Because you looking for it will help you. Part of it is you finding those scriptures yourself. I, have, I took my Bible. I took a ruler. I took a red Bible. And I began to underline them. With that rule, I underlined all those scriptures. Then I took an exercise book. Now it's easier these days. Then I began to write out those scriptures with hand. I would write out the verse, you know. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. John 1, 4. I would write out the verse. Then I would write, make my own confession out of it. I am in him, so I have life. That life is my light. Light stands for development. The life of God that is in me is the development of my spirit, my soul, and my body. It enhances my mentality. It increases my intelligence. You see, I made confessions out of them like that. And then, you know what? Every day, I'll just pick one. Now, some people like to do many. That's fine. But I'll just pick one and spend quality time meditating on that one. Meditate on it. Then I'll confess it to myself. You see, faith's confessions create realities. The Bible is a legal document sealed by the blood of Jesus. Everything that God's word says is. Ephesians 1.3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So God has already blessed us. We're already blessed. It's a legal fact. As far as God is concerned, we are blessed. But you see, I don't want it to only be as far as God is concerned. I want it to be as far as I am concerned also. I want those things to be a reality. I want it to be real to me. You know, there are people, they are new creatures, they are born again. But they say it doesn't seem real to them. Do you understand? They say, I can do all things through Christ. It doesn't seem real to me in my experience. How is it going to be real to you? This is how, by confessing it. By confessing it. Faith's confessions create realities. If you begin to say those things with your mouth, because you believe them in your heart, it won't be long before it will be real in your experience. For instance, Philippians 4.19, you speak it regularly. My God supplies all my need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. See, I meet many Christians who have this sense of they are trying to overcome. They are trying to arrive. They never have arrived. They never have arrived. They are trying to arrive. You know, sometimes they'll preach. And they'll say, the Egyptians you see today, you'll see them no more. Let me tell you something. You stop seeing those Egyptians the day you got saved. What happened with them passing the Red Sea is a type of the new bath. You know, you go somewhere, they say, yes, from today. Look, it happened 2,000 years ago. And the day I got saved, the moment I took Jesus as my Savior and confessed him as my Lord, I came into Christ. I am delivered from the authority of darkness. I am translated into the kingdom of God's dear son. I am complete in him, which is the head of all principalities and powers. Of his fullness I have received and grace for grace. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. You see, in my spirit, I have a sense of absolute dominion. Hallelujah. Yeah, it's real to me. I know it. I cannot be conquered. I'm a stranger to defeat. You see, this is how I got there. By feeding on those scriptures. By confessing them to myself. Until they built inside my spirit a sense of mastery over the circumstances of life. I know I'm tied up to God. He that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. I'm in union with him. For me to go under, he will have to go under. 
for me to be defeated, he will have to be defeated. And he can't go under. He can't be defeated. And that's the reason I won't. Himself took my infirmities and bare my sicknesses. No sickness can successfully attach itself to my body. By his stripes, we were healed. Because we were, I was. And because I was, I am. I'm not the sick trying to get healed. I'm the healed walking in health. You see, because I've dared to confess those things, they are real to me. They are real to me. They are real to me. I'm going to minister, I say to myself, I'm not sufficient of myself to think anything of myself. My sufficiency is of God. He has made me an able minister of the New Testament. Not of the letter, but of the spirit. The letter kills. The spirit gives life. God makes his home in me. God makes his abode in me. He will live big in me today. He will rise big in me today. He will give illumination to my mind. He will give direction to my spirit. He will impart life to my body. He will put me over. He will make me a success. That's how I talk. Little wonder, I'm always victorious. Do you see it? That's the key. That's the key. That's the key. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You see, I'm not... I have forgotten what it is like to be afraid. I've forgotten. I've forgotten. I don't know what it's like. Because I'm utterly fearless. For he had said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. And I will not fear what man shall do unto me. You see, faith's confessions create realities. In him, realities. New creation realities. Redemptive realities. They are realities in our lives because we confess them. It will never be real to you until you confess that it is. It will never. So you have to constantly affirm those things. Constantly affirm those things until you build a strong sense of victory into your spirit. Some Christians, they keep trying to arrive. They keep trying to get breakthrough. Listen, I broke through 2,000 years ago. I broke through. The greatest breakthrough that could ever happen was the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. When he died, I died with him. When he was buried, I was buried with him. When he was raised up, I was raised up with him. When he was seated at the right hand of the Father, I was seated with him. And that's where I am now. That's where I am now. That's where I am now. I look down on problems. I look down on adversity. I tell the devil all the time, I dare you, devil. Was that your greatest punch? Was that your worst shot? You should have tried much harder. That wasn't good enough. Amen. I look down at him. I deride him. I call his bluff. Do you see? It's not because I'm called. I know called people who are defeated. It's because I am in Christ. I'm not any more in Christ than you are in Christ. We are all in Christ. How will these things be real to us? Go into the word of God. Find these scriptures out. Write them out. Make a confession out of each of them. Meditate in them. Build them into your spirit. Then begin to confess them. The more you confess them, the more real they will get. Praise the Lord. For more information and inquiries, please visit our website www.remanigeria.com or you can reach us on 08100163948 or 08076576163.